Hello and welcome back to Dagish America Presents. I'm your host, Ben Harl, and I'm so happy to have the opportunity to talk to you again about the industry that I work in. Okay, on the last episode, we discussed some of the application and planning techniques we use when performing phosphine fumigations. If you haven't had a chance yet, please go back and give that episode a listen. I think you'll find it informative and entertaining. In this episode, we'll be talking to Sean Wilson, Regional Manager at Cardinal Professional Products, about the importance of monitoring your phosphine fumigation, why it's so important, and some of the equipment used to conduct that monitoring. Sean has over 27 years of experience in the pest management industry with a primary focus on fumigation and fogging, and so I couldn't think of a more qualified person to discuss this topic with. So, please help me welcome Sean to the podcast. Hey, Sean, how are you doing this afternoon? Fine, Ben. How are you? I'm doing Great good. to see you, man. Doing good. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I'm <laughs> glad to see you face-to-face instead of talking on the phone. Yeah, yeah. We're doing something <laughs> a little different on this podcast episode. Every now and then, uh, most of the time we do this remotely, but every now and then if I'm close to somebody or if I can corner them and, and sure. get them live, I always try to get them live so we can look at each other face-to-face and have a conversation instead of uh, doing it via Zoom like we've all had to do over uh, the last year I've and a half. enough of those, so, that's oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Monitoring equipment for phosphine use. Yeah, this can be a pretty complicated topic occasionally. (laughs) I think there's a lot of equipment out there, and uh, I know uh, more than one person has asked me a lot of questions on the different types of equipment and what they're used for. So I'm really glad that you uh, agreed to come and talk to us today about all this different equipment we're using and why we're using it in the first place. Sure. Well, I, I appreciate the time and the opportunity. I think that, you know, monitoring just in general can be a very complicated process. You know, it can be uh, very tough to understand why I'm doing it, why is it important to me, you know, and that kind of thing. So hopefully we'll get through all that and get you some information out there for all your uh, listeners. Yeah, that'd be great. That's the goal. I know. (laughs) All right, so hey, just to start out, just in case there's anybody out there who doesn't know who you are, okay, just do me a favor and just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship to the industry. Okay, I sure will. Um, So, you know, it's 27 years of this industry in many different facets of the industry. So I've had the, the... you know, great pleasure of being able to be in different parts uh, from running a route and being an actual technician to management roles to corporate technical trainer. So that was about 15 years of my life. And then I, uh, 12 years ago, I moved over into the distribution and offering training and support and sales and for the products that I use many, many times over throughout the years in the service industry. So right. it's been 27 years of actual doing fumigation or pesticide related industry in, in the industry right you know, that's a long time yeah so. and you've you've been doing fumigation the entire way the entire <laughs> way first week out on the job uh, my very first job was a methyl bromide job up in Iowa and traveling two and a half hours from point A to point B to get there to do yeah. that one little job and you know so yeah it was yeah. Uh, it was crazy and that was 27 years ago yeah that, yeah the yeah. times have changed oh, you, you don't you don't do methyl bromide like that anymore no I could tell some stories <laughs> on regards to that job that uh, I wouldn't want to tell yeah nowadays. <laughs> we all have those stories yeah, right exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> All right, so um, right out of the gate, I kind of want to talk about some of the technical aspects of some of the equipment that we use, and, and but from more from a safety perspective. And, you know, our industry is full of acronyms. Everybody loves acronyms in the industry, and we hear a lot of these acronyms when it comes to safety in relation to the equipment. So I was hoping maybe you could just kind of give us a definition on what some of these acronyms are. So the two that I hear the most in the industry in relation to 
uh, why it's important to monitor mm -hmm. phosphine fumigations are TWA and STEL. So if you could just kind of sure. define for us what those acronyms stand for and why they're important for monitoring mm -hmm. uh, phosphine fumigations, that'd be great. Yeah, so I think both of them, whether it be short-term exposure limit, STEL, or time-weighted average, they're threshold limitation values. They're both TLVs. So they're basically both giving you values that you have to either hit or miss, depending on your monitoring for efficacy or you know those kind of things when you're doing the monitoring um, side of things. But this is more for safety. They're per you know actual values that we have to uh, put out there for our you know the users of the products to make sure that you do not exceed a certain value. And I'll explain in regards to the different types. But uh, if you overachieve that, then then serious things can happen. That if you go over above that value, right? Okay? You're talking about health. Yeah, things. health concerns. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so exposure to the product. Okay. So for instance, you know, on a short-term uh, exposure limit, you know, it's the concentration of the fumigant to which you know workers can be exposed continuously for a short period of time before they suffer the consequences, which could be, you know, the irritation to even, you know, causing some type of narcosis or drunkenness. Uh, so that's a short-term exposure limit that would be a concentration level. You know, this would be more like 15 minutes or some type of lower time frame that that level, which would be in this case phosphine at one part per million, if they're in there for 15 minutes or more, then they could have these types of symptoms, okay? So it's right. a short-term exposure limit. Time, you know, in regards to time-weighted average or the, um, you know, what we call the PEL, the permissible exposure limit, that is the entry point of where you need to be at in order to allow re-entry into the structure or allow others to go into that structure right. or be able to use that, pull that commodity out or something. And that would be, in this case, for phosphine, 0.3 parts per million. Right. And we all know that about phosphine, yeah. the 0.3 now, parts per million. We right, hear about right. that a lot. But that is based on, you know, remember, 40 hours work week, eight hours a day. Those are what that, those levels would be associated. So you wouldn't want to be in higher concentrations of 0.3 parts per million or greater during that 40-hour week or that eight-hour day shift you know, and, and be constantly exposed to 0. 0.3 parts per million during that eight-hour shift right? or during the 40-hour work week, right? Right, and that's why that's the permissible exposure exactly. level. Because in your normal 40-hour work week, which I don't know too many fumigators these <laughs> days that only work 40 hours, but yeah, exactly. the permissible exposure level is it's yeah. if you're working a normal 40-hour-a-week uh, mm -hmm. job, mm -hmm. you can be exposed to up to 0. 0.3 parts sure. per million and there's no adverse effects. Yeah. Correct. So now in case like, for instance, you're doing a, uh, maybe you're aerating a bunch of cars and it takes a long day process and you're constantly aerating all those cars and you're being exposed yourself during those and you're not wearing the proper personal protective equipment, you could be exposed to levels greater than 0.3 parts per million for that eight hour shift. Oh, sure. You know, over a shift. Yeah. So that's why we, in this industry, we all know that, you know, you're going to wear a mask uh, canister, phosphine canister mask at 15 parts per million or less to protect yourself from being exposed to 0.3 parts per million or greater. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned respiratory protection. And I, I know we're talking more about monitoring equipment, but yeah. so what are those levels or those cutoffs for respiratory protection? I mean, because we're monitoring for these levels, sure. 
So what are those cutoffs where respiratory protection is a requirement? So like I said, 15 parts per million or less, then you could wear a phosphine canister style mask, which protects you and filters the phosphine gas through that cartridge. And, and that, you know, is just a, a mask with, a, and I know this is not video, but it's, <laughs> right. it's a mask with two side cartridges or maybe a single canister cartridge. It depends on the style that you might be using. Um, most are single style canister cartridges. Right. And then it filters out the phosphine, but that's at levels of 15 parts per million or, or less. Well, how do you know what the 15 parts per million or less is? It's because you monitor. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So therefore, that's why it's important to monitor because you need to know the levels so you can know what kind of possible exposure you might be under. Right. Then anything 15 parts per million or greater of phosphine, then you would be a, a, self, a SCBA, which is a self-contained breathing apparatus. Right, and that's when you're getting out the tank and the harness right. and the, in the mask that's and all of that right. stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it has to be in positive pressure mode and, and those kind of things. And there's a whole nother, there's a whole nother podcast for you there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, just on respiratory just protection. Just on respiratory yeah. protection. So, but those are the levels that you would be at. Now, if you're under 0.3, parts per million, there's no need to wear any respiratory protection. You're allowed per the permissible part of it, but always air to caution. And if you don't know, you should always wear that respiratory you know, protection. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the part of the label language and the part of the whole respiratory protection mm-hmm. section that I think a lot of people gloss over, and it's that word unknown. unknown. If yeah. you do not know what that concentration is, you need to make sure that you're erring on the side of caution and that you are wearing some kind of respiratory right. protection. You cannot take a chance with this stuff. Fumigation is designed to kill. It's designed to kill pests, but That's it right. will kill us just the same That's way right. if we're not protecting ourselves. Yep. So, so if we're not monitoring that, we don't know what concentration that we're being exposed to. And that's why monitoring is so important. And it I know is. you agree with me on that. Absolutely. So, and that is safety monitoring. And then we'll get into right. the efficacy right. monitoring. Yeah. So, you know, you did mention that. So what is the difference between monitoring for efficacy and mm-hmm. monitoring for safety? Okay, well. Just kind of define yeah. that and, and explain the difference. Well, so how I look at it, and I think others in the industry do too, is that, you know, I'm trying to protect myself and others that I might be working with, and then also my customer, my customer's product. And so everything that I would do for safety monitoring is based off of protection of myself, protection of others, protection of the commodity, protection of customers. Right. And so those would be considered of where I don't want them to be exposed to anything, okay, or as much as possible, nothing, okay? And and that is where that part of it is. Now, when you go into efficacy, Efficacy is what we want to hit on our target levels, on our killing the insect. We want to be at the exact levels we need. If our target's, you know, say 800 parts per million, I want to achieve 800 parts per million for a period of time so I can kill that particular insect. And I know you've right. had other podcasts in regards to how that oh, yeah, happens. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, so therefore, that's why I'm monitoring. I'm, mo- I'm monitoring not only for the efficacy of the job to kill the insects, but I'm also making sure that I monitor during the fumigation, before, after the fumigation, I'm making sure it's safe for, our, for right. you and your customers right. and your coworkers. And when it comes to monitoring for safety, mm-hmm. there's really kind of two different ways to look at this. I mean, there's monitoring at the aeration process mm-hmm. to make sure that you're getting under the 0.3 parts per million, but you're also monitoring for personal safety or monitoring workers' airspace, exactly. maybe during application, yep. maybe during aeration, yep. things like that. Yeah, so so basically when you go to a job and you're on that fumigation, there's what's called perimeter monitoring. 
and you're monitoring the perimeter of that structure or that possible fumigation that you're doing, whether it right. might be a silo or a trailer or a rail car, anything where you've got contained gas inside there, you want to make sure that there is good perimeter monitoring done around it. Now, you know, this gets into a whole nother topic of t buffer zones and everything else, but it's not just what you're doing is you're protecting yourself to where if there is a leakage out of that structure, then you need to take care of that leakage. And that monitoring that you're doing will ensure and help you make that decision if you need to do that. Right. And then keep people away from that area as much as possible. Yeah. Right, yeah, that's it's so critical yep. to be able yep. to do that. I mean, you know, the, the goal when we fumigate is to keep bystanders as far away as we right, possibly exactly. can, but not every structure in, is in the most opportune place that right. we have to fumigate. So uh, there's many times that we have to cordon things off and we have to keep people out of certain areas oh, yeah. because we just know due to monitoring yep. that there's leakage in these areas and there's potential for exposure and we have to keep people out of those, sure. out of those areas. Well, you know, there, in this industry, I've seen it and I know you, you've seen it too in this industry as well in your service career. We've seen situations where we've had people that are doing some type of aeration right in a loadout that might be right <laughs> yep. next to a warehouse and that warehouse is under operations. Well, you know what? You better make sure that that is in a safe zone and that needs to be maybe further out away from that facility. Yep. So um, those are things you have to make those decisions prior to your fumigation, not yeah. during your fumigation <laughs> yeah. or yeah. during your aeration, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then going back to what we were talking about and other times we would want to do safety, well, like you said, is the entry, re-entry level. So you want to make sure that that is at 0.3 parts per million so you can allow that individual, that maybe that coworker or maybe another, uh, your customer's workers going in to get into that structure to pull that commodity out or to do something within that structure. Yeah. Um, and so that's the re-entry and the safety level monitoring that we do on the post-in in aeration in, right. of it. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, those are the terminologies that when we get into it, you know, kind of confusing to a new fumigator is the post, pre, you know, all this. It, but I tell you, a fumigation management plan is the way to go to make sure that all that gets oh, happens. Oh, absolutely. So yes, the FMP is critical. <laughs> yeah. and, it's and, a, should, and it's a label requirement. <laughs> exactly. And you discuss that with all your coworkers yep. and your individuals. So. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we talked about the importance of monitoring both for safety and for efficacy. So let's talk now about maybe some of the different types of monitoring devices that are available, you know, whether they're electronic or whether mm -hmm. they're manual, whatever the case is. So let's talk about some of the different types of devices. Okay, well, you know, everybody uh, that has probably been around a long time fumigation, you definitely know of and, and seen and heard of chlorometric tubes. I right. Mean, tubes have been in the industry a long time and they're used in different means, not just in the fumigation industry, but it, all over the world in all kinds of chemicals. Oh, yeah. Um, they're detection devices that are manual in design. They, you know, have an, a sampling to where you're pulling a sample in across a filter or a substance that allows the detection levels on the glass. So it's a chlorometric tube, they call it. And that gives you sampling of what levels that might be. So you, but you have to have the specific tube for what you're doing. So for instance, when we were talking about efficacy monitoring, we're gonna use a high range tube. Right. If you're using it for aeration or for clearing or for perimeter monitoring, then we're gonna use a low range tube. And those are things that you just have to understand. 
And then in Canada, uh, you know, you, versus United States, because I deal a lot with Canada, Canada has a different level in regards to their reentry level. It's instead of 0.3 in the United States, we're 0.1 in Canada, parts per million. Right, so it's even tougher. <laughs> it's even tougher. So there's actually a specific tube for Canada. So that would be chlorometric tubes. They're ran through a manual pump uh, or a sampling pump to where you can squeeze it like a bellows pump. Right, so it samples um, air, like samples an air, air concentration. Right, yeah. and, and pump the air across that filter or so many strokes to get that sample to come to the tube to come across the tube. And, and then, then there's a color it. change, right? And there's the a color change. The tube changes it's, color yeah. to indicate. Yep, yep. and yeah. for fumigation, it, it definitely is a color change, you know, but yeah. uh, there might be just level changes in other industries. Right. But anyways, yeah. um, but yes, that is, a, that is absolutely correct. So that's one particular type of device in the industry for phosphine. And then we go into, you know, actually electronic devices. And then when we get into electronic devices, then you're dealing with devices that maybe are more of my personal safety detection device, which is more of... Uh, making sure I don't exceed those thresholds, those the permissible, the permissible exposure, exposure level, yeah, limits, yeah. okay, or the threshold <laughs> yeah. limitation values. But yes, I don't want to get to that level. So therefore, that's a personal safety device. And it reads digitally by pulling it around its environment, okay? So it actually is testing the environment around itself, around the gas detection. So device. it's reading continuously. It's reading then. continuously, right. correct. And so, you know, these types of devices would be held maybe on a lanyard around your neck or it would be on your belt, has belt clips, something like that. Uh, it might be attached to your arm. It might be in, you know, some way attached to yourself right. personally. And so those devices are personal devices. Then you have the devices for high range, um, which would be for actually sampling the gas levels that are inside your structure that you're fumigating. And so you're trying to pull that sample from a remote location. So that takes some type of pump to do that. And so these devices actually have internal pumps, air pumps, sort of like an aquarium pump, I guess, right. if they want to get a good little analogy there going. But it actually draws that sample electronically through a battery and through, you know, power source and pulls that sample into that device, and then that device reads it at certain levels. So it works in the same fashion as the personal safety Correct. device, but you have the addition of uh, it having a built-in pump that draws a sample, like maybe through like a monitoring line from that, inside that's the structure. Right. That's right. So what are, uh, I mean, so obviously, you know, continuous read is a huge advantage that electronic equipment has over, say, uh, you know, a manual pump sure. or tubes, but what are some of the advantages and disadvantages to both? Okay, well, advantage big time right off the get-go on tubes is is the expense, okay? Because right. a unit like that, just a simple little hand pump and then uh, some tubes, is going to be a low cost for that particular job. But I can tell you that if you're doing constant monitoring throughout that day or throughout the fumigation, you're going to blow through a lot of tubes. Yeah, and the tubes are disposable. <laughs> exactly. And then the disadvantage to a tube, you know, price would be an advantage. Disadvantage to tubes is going to be, in some cases, is just the use of it. You know, it's, it's simple, but it's not. It, it does give you the capability. You have to break the glass. You have to, there's a certain step to do. It's not as easy as just turning a unit on, looking at a level, right? Right. Well, you're, you're actually having to physically, manually do what you're doing to test it. 
And if you don't get that right, you might not have a correct sample, right? Uh, you might not uh, do the right correct strokes on it. It has an N equals and it tells you how many strokes. Right. Um, so that, that would be a disadvantage. And then the other disadvantage that I've been seeing recently, and, I, and I'm sure you have too, there's a lot of uh, plants now in, in industry that don't allow glass because they're made out of yep. glass. And there's a glass you know, policies in a lot of these food plants now where you can't even bring the glass in on property <laughs> yeah. versus, you know, and here you are working with their, inside their facility or maybe in their uh, car, rail car, trailer next to their commodity, their goods going out to a customer. And here you are, got you have glass in your hand, you know. Right, and you're, you're not, breaking it on purpose. And you're purpose breaking it on purpose, purpose. <laughs> right. Yeah. So therefore, you know, that would be a big disadvantage to that type of unit. Then you get into the clearance devices that are electronic they're more expensive, most definitely. You know, there's quite a considerable difference in price in some of these cases yeah. for the different types you got. It just depends on how complex you want to make your units. In some cases, certain companies, you know, have certain sensors and they can put so many slots and so many sensors in each of these units and therefore it might drive up the cost of it. Right. But then at the same time, you also have some calibration that has to be I was going to ask about calibration. So, <laughs> so, I don't know if that's an yeah. advantage or a disadvantage, but there's well, definitely additional cost associated with that. Oh, yeah. I would say that in our case, in our company, we definitely we do all of our calibrations for most of our customers that allow us the opportunity to do that for them. But these are required every six months. Uh, normally, most manufacturers require every six months at a uh, gas detection, electronic gas detection device be calibrated. Right. And so these uh, calibrations, you know, must be under certified kind of standards. And, you know, you have uh, certain uh, gas uh, concentrations that have to be calibrated too. And you have to make sure you have the right temperature and the humidity inside there when you calibrate <laughs> yep. and everything. It can't be done. A calibration can't be done in a service vehicle or any kind of a, a right. so, you know, somebody out on the job. You have to have this done in a controlled environment. Right. So therefore... Yeah, it has yeah to be. there's definitely a difference between yeah. a bump test and a calibration. A calibration Absolutely. is a much more controlled environment than a bump, bump test. test. Yeah, a bump test, just you're detecting that the unit can read that particular gas that, that you don't want to be exposed to. Right. And, uh, and so some companies require, you know, for their individuals that might be at their facility, that all of their gas detection devices go through a certification of a bump test. But in our case, in the fumigation industry, because we calibrate on a normal basis and we're also using it on a normal basis to get levels, bump tests not necessarily are something that we do and maybe we should do more of because you never know when your unit's going to be. Right. You know, but technically, bad. anytime that alarm goes off, Exactly. That's it's that's being exposed that's to something. That's a bump test. So. That's a bump test. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't know if everybody would view it that way, but technically, that's a bump test. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. being exposed to a concentration of phosphine. That's correct. So, yep. So based on all this, you know, we we all know that accidents happen in our industry mm -hmm. every every single year. Do you think that some of these accidents or safety issues that we have? Do you think that a lot of these are a direct result of either a lack of monitoring or improper monitoring? I mean, luckily, really, truly, in this industry, as far as reportable and things that we actually get to hear about, we don't hear as many as probably what's out there. Right. right. But I can tell you that if injuries and things that have happened is due to, you know, not having the correct equipment for the job, I've, you know, been involved in some situations with customers that um, maybe were 
really thought they had the right piece of equipment that they were supposed to be using, and it wasn't the correct equipment. It was something that they used maybe for another type of fumigant, and uh, they were using it on that particular job thinking it was going to be the same thing, you know. Unfortunately, it goes back to the person, and you need to make sure that you read the labels and you understand the right. labels and read the manufacturer requirements of that particular piece of equipment that you have. Yes, you know, they um, all have instructions. It's, Read they the instructions, all have instructions. Operating Some instructions. of them might not be as good as others. I think <laughs> we could yes. all we could say that. You know, yeah. honestly, uh, some of them read like French and <laughs> different yeah. types of. You know, it, but it, it can be very uh, a challenging. Um, but there's many in the industry that you know, like myself and like yourself in this industry that we're here to help and uh, right. you know reach out to somebody and get the right answers. Right. Right. Um, that's the the key point. But to go back to uh, injuries that have happened, yes. I would say that a lot of those, you know, if you've came in exposed to any of phosphine, it's probably because you weren't doing the correct monitor. You do, you weren't taking the precautions needed on yourself to make sure that I wasn't standing in levels that I shouldn't have been standing in or greater than yeah. 15, you know, parts per million and I don't have a mask on, you yeah. know. So. Well, you know, and I mean, there's a certain level of machismo that I've seen in the industry mm-hmm. as well. You know, I mean, the the just hold your breath and run through oh, the... Yeah. <laughs> I hate yeah. to say that I've heard that happen, but I've heard of that happening yeah. in the industry. So sure. please, anybody listening, don't, don't do, that. do that. Use the safety monitoring equipment. Well, I always, <laughs> I always tell this story, Ben. I, 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 it's not a, I mean, a story. I just make a comment when somebody says, well, I'll just hold my breath and run through there. Yeah, you might be able to hold your breath and you're the next Michael Phelps, right? And you can <laughs> hold your breath. But guess what? You trip over something, all that air is coming out, and yeah. you've got to breathe back in. So <laughs> yeah. I would definitely uh, uh, make sure I got my uh, personal protective equipment or I monitor <laughs> yeah. that situation, yep. right? Because uh, you never know when an accident's going to happen, you're going to trip over Absolutely. yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> and it may not be your fault. <laughs> it, it might not be your happen. fault. So, yeah, yeah, anything could happen. Yeah. All right. So I only have one more question for you, Sean. I appreciate your time today. But, uh, no problem. You know, we have a lot of new fumigators that are coming into the industry, mm-hmm. and we expect that we're going to see many more over the next uh, decade. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so, too. <laughs> Somebody's got to replace yeah. me. Yeah. Or us. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of advice would you give to a new fumigator? Somebody's fresh out of the gate. Uh, they may not have even ever been mm-hmm. on a fumigation at this point. What kind of advice would you give that brand new fumigator about the safe use of Always read the label. I'm not going to say anything more than others that have been doing your podcast, you know, that you definitely want to read the label, absolutely, and understand the label. But I think it's more important that we always don't get caught in this I know it all kind of situation. Yeah. Um, Because I tell you, you know what? Knowing it all is going to get yourself in a a whole heck of a lot of hurt. You know, it will. You, You think you know it. But you don't really know it, and you need to understand it. And to this day, 27 years, I'm still reading labels. I'm still trying to understand labels. You know, there's a lot of interpretation sometimes in our labels. And we want to make sure that we're always looking to always better ourselves. So if you're somebody out there that's just starting out in fumigation, get the knowledge. Understand. Get with a mentor, uh, somebody that you always look up to in the industry. My current boss is somebody that I looked up to in the industry before I went to work for him, you know? Right. And uh, I was actually his customer. So, you know, he was a resource for me. Uh, There's been others in this industry that I've always looked up to that uh, throughout my service industry that, you know, they had the knowledge. And in some cases, quite honestly, maybe they made mistakes and I learned by their mistakes. Because I knew they know that they made a mistake. So you learn by those mistakes. But in this industry, one mistake can be very fatal. 
And yeah. that's what we got to remember. It's not just like putting pesticides around and spraying here and spraying there and maybe making a mistake. And then you've maybe contaminated something or you, right. you caused some irritation on somebody's skin or something like that. This is actually could kill somebody. And that's right. why it's very important to step back and understand the situation that you're dealing with. Make sure you, you've read the label, you understand the label, and then move from there and, and move forward. You know, never stop learning. That's it. That's what yeah. I can tell you. That's, that's yeah. great advice. Open-minded. Open-minded. Keep your mind open. Exactly. You know, regulatory requirements change all the time. Yes. Labels can change frequently. Yes. Like you said, interpretations of labels can change. Oh. And mm-hmm. every fumigation's different mm-hmm. and requires, in some cases, mm-hmm. different types of processes in order to be successful. Right. Don't walk in thinking every rail car that you're going to fumigate no. is going to be the same. It's not no. cookie cutter. No. It's always so, changing. And, and you know, one thing that's changing all the time is the environment. You yes. know, your, your temperatures are changing. You have a different wind direction. You have different things. So, you know, somebody that comes to you and says, hey, I've done that job a hundred times and this is how it is and this is what it does. And you go out there on that hundred first time and guess what? It didn't go off the same as the hundred <laughs> yep. times before, you know, always there's something that might happen. So right. always just understand that and uh, don't be scared of the products, but just understand the products. And uh, if you, the, the way this industry and way we, the labels have been written and the, and the fumigation management plan is all for your safety. And it's due to mistakes that have happened in the past. And you know, we try to learn from those. And then, you know, unfortunately, we have to create more regulatory situations. But there is a lot of equipment. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of resources at your at your fingertips that you can use on your job and do it right and do it safe and go home at night, you know, yeah. or day. Or That's the goal. That's kill, kill the right things <laughs> and, and you and your coworkers and your customers going home safe to their family at the end of each day. Yeah, I wonder uh, where you heard that one from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Sean, thanks a lot. Yeah. I really appreciate your time today. Hey, and no uh, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. And uh, please keep this up. This is great stuff. I, uh, I really enjoy the podcast and I think it's very valuable out there in the industry. So uh, hats off to you and Degas for uh, doing this. Great job. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, man. You take care. Take care, man. See right. ya. I want to thank Sean for taking some time today to discuss monitoring phosphine fumigations. Monitoring for efficacy is critical to verify success, and monitoring for safety helps keep you and bystanders safe, so it's terrific to have some clarification on the subject. In the next episode, we'll discuss one of the hottest topics of conversation regarding phosphine, the possibility and potential for phosphine resistance. And hey, remember, if you have a question you'd like for us to answer during our live season finale, please feel free to send it to us at podcast at degishamerica.com or we'll always be happy to answer your question right away. You can also find us at degishamerica.com or on all of the main social media outlets. And so until next time, I'm Ben Harl, and I hope you have a safe and terrific day.